we had a little conversation. We had a little conversation about loops getting stuck in your head. About loops getting stuck in your head. About loops getting stuck in your head. <laughs> Smack them. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? <laughs> have you ever seen that have movie? You ever seen? Have you ever seen the movie called? Um, oh man, I can't remember what it's called now. Oh man, I can't remember. What it's it's like a romantic comedy with with Adam Sandler. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no. Oh man, terrible story. Terrible oh. way to start a story. Anyway, there was this movie <laughs> in the the early '90s or something, and it had um, Billy Crystal in it. And he, his father-in-law was like an elderly man, and he was driving him around in the car, and every sign they saw, the the elderly man would read the sign. And it was that kind of thing. What you were just doing, he would go, you want it? You got it. Toyota. And he would <laughs> read every one. single sign. Oh, man, I can't remember what it was. It, it was so annoying to watch this one scene, and you could just feel for Billy Crystal, who was stuck in the car with this guy. Mm. Who would read everything? But when you were repeating that by minute over and over, that's what I thought of. Oh. Anyway, terrible story. Right. Loops. Let's talk about it. Way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about loops, baby. Uh, oh, no. So we don't, don't really have anything to talk about. Yeah, obviously. We may find something. Obviously, a terrible way to start the show. <laughs> Jimmy, you have a thousand people yes. in your town. Today is Tell us uh, about that. today is Monday. It is the Monday. I guess it's uh, Indigenous People Day, Columbus Day. Uh, it is Monday, and we uh, we have the event that took place this weekend at the Blackthorn Resort here in town, and it was a huge success on a small scale because they just bas- they basically they knew it was going to be tough to market this. It's a strange little place and a strange little village. I'm the draw because a lot of people came because they trust that I'm associated with it, and it turned out to be a super cool event, very intimate. But they they put a they said if we have this many people we can consider it a success as far as they're concerned and they've had at least twice that many people and like I said it was very intimate it was great um, it was great because it was people sharing what they know and it was really chill there was it wasn't quite like a lot of people compared it to other events where there's like a lot of corporate it's like a corporate flea market where you're going from corporate booth to a corporate booth to a corporate booth this was more like a flea market. Or, or a flea market where nobody was really selling anything. Everybody was just sharing information. And it was great. There were people had set up. And I think the idea of monetary exchange was like very low on the totem pole. People did bring things to sell. But I, I, see, I saw a lot of people giving things away, trading things. So it's, it was really like peace, love, and making. You know, it was really cool. It's, it sounds a little cliche. And some people called it maker stock. And there was blacksmiths, there was uh, several different blacksmiths, so there were various blacksmith demos going on, knife making. Tracy was there doing wood carving, making bowls and spoons and axe handles. Jackman was there making his big giant hammer, Paul Jackman, and Arbitech guys were there demonstrating, and the Total Boat guys were there demonstrating resin, and Jess Crow was there demonstrating resin techniques. And there was a lot more, and there was uh, Mark Adams is a photographer from Cleveland who's been to two events that we did with Lincoln Welding. And so everybody remembered Mark. So we we brought Mark out and he's the one who did all these really beautiful photography in the past on the white background. This, for this event, he's like, I'm going to pick a black background just so it was branded. And it was just amazing. It was just such an amazing, like peace, love and making. It sounds a little hokey, but that's really what it felt like. And uh, there was a couple of flea markets, mostly blacksmith guys came and sold stuff. A couple of makers sold their stuff. And it was just, you know how like when we do these events in different cities, the hotel lobby is like the best part of the event where everyone just hangs out and talks and trades information. Imagine that started in the morning and with like stuff to talk about and hold in our hands. And then it just goes all night. There was there was only one little panel discussion, which went really quickly. At the very end, when they gave out a bunch of stuff, a lot of people donated stuff. So when you got a door ticket, when you entered the place, you kept that ticket. And at the end of the event, we gave off a bunch of stuff. Craig from Barefoot Forge donated a lot of Damascus billets, which are very expensive. And so those are the five top prizes. And at that moment, I spoke on the mic for a couple of minutes. But that was it. It wasn't like it was just everybody just hanging out and chilling and having a really, really cool time. And I don't know what you guys could tell from what you watched, but it was it was really really successful as far as like a a feel good event. I don't yeah, know if anybody I mean, made any money, like <laughs> but it was a real feel good event. 
And just everybody's your, dying to come back. Everybody wants to come back. But yeah, just by your tone, you can tell how excited you were and and how fun it was. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Uh, I and I planned on doing demos. Shaper sent me a router, which I, I apologize, I hadn't have a chance to play with because I was just talking the entire weekend. I was like literally like the host. I was like anybody I saw. I just said, hey, what brought you here? How'd you you know how'd you ha- hear about it? Are you having fun? So I was basically the host, and I just wanted—I just wandered around talking to everybody. And there were moments like like there are at our events that we've been through together. There are moments where there's like a big table powwow, and then it calls down a little bit, and then there's another one. And you know, so there was picnic tables everywhere, and various picnic tables became meeting spots. It was—it was really great. It was—it was a huge success. Everybody felt so. Next year, That's you guys. Awesome. Come. It was fun to. It was fun to watch. Um, just on Instagram, like everybody, it was funny because you would see the same story like 20 times because it would have 20 people in it. And so somebody would make a story on Instagram and then all those people that were included in it would repost it and everything. But the cool thing about that, it was happening from all these different angles. So you'd see the same scene from different perspectives with all these different people in them. And yeah, it was, it was cool. I mean, it was fun to watch from the outside, but at the same time, I was telling you guys this a few minutes ago, over the past couple of weeks, you've both been at these events that I haven't been at, which is weird because, you know, like all the maker fairs I typically go to, I try to go to the big things that I can, and I just couldn't make these two, the Makesgiving thing and, and the Maker's Camp. And it's been, I had some FOMO going on, you know, I'm like, man, these guys are having fun. And it's not just like hanging out and talking to people. Like there was active making and learning at both of these events and i was like oh man like that's a thing that i missed out on because with all those blacksmiths there oh, i would have yeah. learned a ton that's what you, you need know? i saw a lot of people brett was doing a really good job at teaching brett and jess with teaching at one end and then you had the guys from our uh, modern forge at the other end and you had steve pellegrino making knives and uh the uh urbanas like the northeastern blacksmith association i think it's called they brought a bunch of equipment to let everybody experiment on and it was great. There was so many people never did blacksmithing ever went through the tent with Jess and and uh, and Brett and came out the other end with like something to show for it and very proud of their accomplishments. It was really great to see. I mean, that if I could say like the most probably the the most successful part was that the blacksmithing thing where people got a chance to make a hook or just pound on some metal. Even several kids, young kids, got a chance to blacksmith and they they were so proud to show off what they were making. Hmm. It was great. That's very cool. Aspiring makers, young makers. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, hopefully they'll do it again, uh, and it won't be on the weekend where I can't make it next year because I'd like to make it. <laughs> Everybody's saying uh, that, well, the family who runs the event of the Handles, that's my friend Austin, and his dad and mom and his uncle and his cousins, they run the whole event, and they said they're definitely going to pull it on again next year. They're going to put it on again next year for sure. They said this was a big success for them. And... I feel it's going to grow quick because there's a lot of people. Like people were writing to me, I'm having fear of missing out. How can I get involved? And I just said, you know, go to the website and get information, fly in, drive in. A couple of people, Wesley Treat, who's a, a sign maker, he wrote to me. He's like, how do I get involved? I said, go to the website, get yourself a ticket. And he drove up here from Dallas. Oh, man. Whoa, <laughs> really? There was a lot of guys who drove from. I mean, we had a few people from England. Laura was here. Laura's here now, I think. Laura's in the house, I think. <laughs> Laura Kampf. Uh-huh. Uh, she she had a couple of friends from Cleveland. Uh, Maribel uh, was staying at a, an Airbnb nearby, so she was staying either with Maribel or here, but I think she's here. I hope she's here. She's going to be here all week, so she wants to work in the workshop. We have a super That's secret awesome. project going on in the house this week, so we're all going to be busy doing stuff for this super secret project that I never, ever talked about. <laughs> so this, is that one that you will not talk about I, in the after show? I cannot talk about it in the after show. I will not. I will not. I must not. Huh. Cool. Huh. Can't can't wait to hear yeah. about it. I mean, <laughs> point, point. can't, yeah, can't wait to eye, not hear about that's it. That's my eye winking. Point, point, point. <laughs> so we're doing that this week. And Laura's, awesome. Laura's going to be hanging around, but I don't think she wants to be involved in that. But she will be here. I think she's going to do a video from here. So that'll be cool. Cool. Oh, great. So what was the total number of people from this this whole event? What do you think? I think people that have come through the event, probably somewhere in the area of 300. You remember the first Workbench Con? It felt like that type of intimacy. Okay. Yeah. So anywhere between 200 to 300 people. Maybe less than that first Workbench Con, but because everybody was so concentrated in that one room, it seemed crowded, first Workbench Con. Mm -hmm. This was a giant field, so maybe it was about the same. So it was about 300. 
Hmm. Ultimately, that came and went. Saturday seemed to be the most crowded. And then each evening, if you bought like the special package, you could have dinner at the place. So the dining hall cr- got pretty crowded on Saturday night was uh, probably the most people. Sunday night was a little bit lighter because a lot of people came just for the day. A lot of locals in the Northeast came for the day and didn't spend the night at the hotel, so there was no reason for them to come in and eat at the... Those are the people that were actually lodging at the place that came in and ate at the dining hall. It was, it was fun. Uh, speaking of WorkbenchCon, did I see that you were speaking at WorkbenchCon this year? Mm-hmm. I am speaking at WorkbenchCon. I think I'm going to be the opening okay. speecher. Speecher. <laughs> well, you got the speech thing nailed. Yeah, I'm That's going to be right. the opening speecher at the workbench. I'm going to be speeching at work. <laughs> I'm writing up a good speech for workbench. Excellent. Yeah. That's great. Cool. Awesome. Well, David, what have you been up to this weekend? Uh, I'm st- How's your go-kart? A uh, l- little bit of progress. Um, I'm still recovering from the event that I went to last week. It seems like the older I, I get, the uh, the harder it is to get back into the routine and and everything. But um, so I, we got a new engine for the go-kart and new tires. There's an open practice this Sunday. So I will be testing that stuff out this weekend. And then um, we still have the the race coming up on on the third. And I'm looking forward to the race, but I'm also I think I'm more looking forward to after the race where I could tear it apart and start building building the new one. I've been researching all kinds of tube benders and notch cutters and whether I want to go a cheaper route or an ex- more expensive route. Um, I, f- I figured if I if I get like a, a real tube bender, maybe I can figure out how to use it for art pieces or something in the future. Because, I mean, it's, um, they're many hundreds of dollars. And it's like, I don't want to buy something to use for one time. But maybe, maybe it'll be worth it. So, got all that going on. And, um, man, I, so I went to, uh, I went to Ben's. Yes, Jimmy, hello. I was going to say, you want to make a tube notch, or you can make it with wood, like a wooden, like if you make a, take a big chunk of wood and drill a hole, that's the diameter of the notch you want to make with a hole saw, and mm-hmm. then drill a hole in the side, that's the diameter of the tube you want to make, uh-huh. stick the tube through, and then with a, a hole saw, come down in that open hole and you could notch it. That's a cheap way to uh-huh. make a hole. And Me and Taylor the, have done that. The, um yeah, somebody reached out on Instagram and they were they showed me some some photos of the the ones that they made. There are most of the angles are not 90 degrees coming in, so I guess I would just have to make that one hole at the degree that I need to. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. we could talk yeah, about that, but there's a couple of solutions that aren't you know that are free to make. I also want to say so many people have reached out to me with great either carding advice or tube bending or notch cutting advice. And it's been awesome. Like I'm, I, I didn't know where to, where to start. I didn't have a lot of resources and people are like, you need to check out this channel and, and this channel. And this is what I have. And it's been absolutely great. Like it just I'm like, ah, oh, it's nobody likes, nobody likes a bunch of emails, but when the when the emails save you like hours of research time, it's it's fantastic. So thank you to the audience for for helping me out and getting me started with that. So awesome, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of similarly to that. So remember last week I threw out the thing that I wanted to get a Bridgeport, and uh, I've had one person say send me a link to one that was actually in Dayton. There's a Bridgeport up there that uh, someone's trying to get rid of. It's got a DRO and stuff. But the thing that was interesting. Was I actually got uh, more contact about the VFD. I had several people, like one person, their family has a company that they sell them or make them or something. And then uh, Nick Carruthers, if you guys know Nick, he reached out and offered to help about, he's done some of that before and a few other people. So it was kind of interesting that that was the thing that brought out a lot of people like willing to share information I guess that makes sense because that's more of a, like a, I have experience with it. Let me share what I know. Then I know where a Bridgeport is. Cause that's requires there to be a Bridgeport somewhere. But anyway, I'm still on the lookout for that. Um, I think Dayton may be a little far for me to, to try to get a hold of one. Um, just cause I don't have like a truck lined up and all that type of stuff. But 
either way, I think it was pretty cool that people were reaching out and offering to help. So, Bob, just to put it out there again, the if you find one and it's a freebie or if it's very you know affordable, you could hire a rigging company to move it. And probably in the Midwest, the rigging rates are a lot cheaper than in New York City because I've been offered a Bridgeport at a college in New York City. And I was grateful to be offered it, the one we talked about way back, but to get it out of where it was was a lot of money. Basically outside of what I was willing to spend for something that I actually really didn't need. But if there's one ground level and you're picking it up and bringing it to some other place ground level and it's a rigging company that does it, it's a common occurrence for them, you're probably looking at like five, four or five hundred dollars maybe, you know, to have it picked up and delivered. So just keep that in mind if it's something, like I said, ground level to ground level obviously is much easier. Okay, well, this is going to sound like a dumb question. Mm-hmm. You said rigging company, but if I were to look for a company that does that type of work locally, mm-hmm. what would I actually need to look for? Rigging is not the right no rigging. Word, rigging is, is a company. Like- yeah, rigging is basically people that pick up and pick pick up and put down heavy okay. things. And okay. like a rigging company would do anything from you know they have various uh, trucks trucks that will handle small machines, which would be like in the zero to five thousand pound range, and then they might have machines that pick up. 30, 40,000 pound machines, put them on a second floor, you know, through a window or something. So rigging is what you'd be looking for. Okay. Awesome. Good to know. Before we get into the topic, if we have a topic, I want to ask you um, for some advice. So there are dedicated like scissor lifts for carts so you can get them up and work on them at a comfortable level and they're not rolling around on the ground. Um, I don't have the the money to either like make one or, or buy one right now. So I purchased a dolly from Harbor Freight, just a cheap, like $50 dolly. And so it's an L shape. And when it's on its back, it's kind of like a little, a little ramp. Okay. So if I push the cart up onto this dolly, when it's on its back, I want to then like lift up the back and have legs. I'll weld on some legs that kind of fold and it, it'll get it up like just enough, so many inches off the ground. How, if I make those legs like on a hinge, how can I lock those legs down? Does that make sense at all? Lock them in the standing position? Yeah. So the, the dolly is on its back. So uh, it's an L on its back, but sort of ramped because of the tires in the front. And so push the cart up onto the dolly and I want to lift it up and then have legs that come out. And we'll just kind of lock. I would place. probably. I mean, my first thought would be to make like a gusset that has a slot for the the cart frame and the leg. Uh huh. So you flop the leg down, yep. and then you slide the gusset into that corner from the outside. Oh, and, and maybe you clamp that in place or something like mm-hmm. that. Okay. I think one one key feature is have it open up to ninety five degrees instead of ninety. So if it opens up to ninety five degrees and there's a lot of oh. weight on it. Yeah. So there's like boink. a positive stop there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like instead of 90, 95, and then it, it's not it's not inclined to fold up unless there's a lot of effort put on it to make it happen. See, things like this, I'm not, I have no experience with. I'm like already overthinking it. I'm thinking of like another mechanism that slides in and, and locks it in, in you, place. You could and, do that, but just instead of having to like fiddle around, you get it open up, it opens, it over opens, and now it's not going anywhere. And yeah. then you have an opportunity to put a pin in it before it flops and shuts. Huh. Yeah, I would definitely put some sort of a physical stop in there, though, um, just because you don't ever want the wrong thing to get knocked and Pushed. for that to fold up and land on you. you yeah, know? yeah. My my uncle, uh, actually, a, a while back, he's kind of a farmer, and he, he's not really a farmer, but he has a big tractor, and he was working on his tractor, and he's been doing this type of stuff for a very, very long time. Super smart guy. He was underneath the tractor, and he would reach up. It was out of gear, and he would reach up and turn it on to see if it would turn over, and then he was doing whatever he was doing. And there was no way between where he was and the ignition that he could put it into gear. That's just why he was in that position. And at one point, he reached up and turned it, and somehow it was in gear. And that thing rolled off the stand (gasps) onto him, and he was in the hospital for months. So it's just one of those things that, like... Just at all costs, find a way to keep it as safe as possible because you don't want that thing. Even something like a go kart, you don't want it rolling down on you. Yeah. I mean, 
that can be bad. One, it's it's one of the uh, it's not a rule, but it highly recommended is that you don't start your own go kart and then hop in because if for whatever reason the throttle is is stuck or whatever, it could take oh. off and and hit somebody. So they always recommend you hopping in and having somebody else start it for you. Smart. That's cool. Um, let's see. So last week, well, not last week. My weeks are all out of whack because we've been working ahead a little bit, which is good. But then when it comes time to talk about what's coming out this week, it's always kind of hard to remember. Um, we did a, a really simple flip table kind of thing. You know how people do like the, the tool table where you have like a tool on the top and then a tool on the bottom. Jimmy, you've done this where you flip the thing over. You have yeah. two tools on the same surface. Well, right? I, ma- I made a table that's just, it's either empty or it has something on it. It has three stations. So that's how I did it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to do something kind of like that, but I had these different tools that didn't have, they don't get enough use to require like a, a permanent position, but at the same time, lifting them completely off the, you know, the base of a table up onto the top gets kind of old. Like my scroll saw, it's not super light and it's kind of annoying to pick it up. And anyway, so basically all I did was modify some hinges, but I made these panels that hang down off the sides of the work table. And so when they're all down, it looks like a work table with just flat faces on the outside of it. But I did, I made a double hinge so that when you lift them up, the tool then flops up onto the top of the table. So when they're in their up position, they're on the table ready to use. But when they're in their down position, they are hanging vertically underneath the table. And so within one of my two by four tables, I've got uh, a big vise. I've got a leather sewing machine, uh, pocket hole jig, and a scroll saw. And these are all mounted. They're just ready to flip up, use, and flip back down. And then I've still got the work table at the top. It's one of those things that almost felt like I don't know. It's, it's like modifying hinges is really all the whole project is. And so it felt a little like light as far as, you know, the, the work content, to be done. And the content thing. for video. But man, like it's so useful to have four tools that otherwise are in the way in every, they've always been in the way in the shop or like, you know, they just don't require like a dedicated spot, but now they're ready to use. And I've actually used, at least the vice, I've used it more than I would have if it were mounted on the other side of the shop somewhere permanently. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of weird. Like I'm, it's one of those projects that doesn't really feel like a project. It's more of like a tip, but somehow it turned into like a 12 minute video. And I think it's like, it's not longer than it needs to be. It's like a, you know, but so it's just kind of weird because then other projects, I feel like we pack so much stuff into hmm this time and then this one feels like it doesn't really have that much new stuff or you know technique or whatever but it's still super it's useful useful yeah. so yeah hopefully people will dig it um anyway, isn't, it, that's isn't it funny how you have like a video like i'm working on my pizza oven video which i have to just do a couple more edits on hopefully i get it out this week you have a video that has like a million pounds of information in it, and then you make a video that's got like two pounds of information in it, and you could bo- make both of them twelve minutes, and it seems right. Yeah, you know, because like like the, the the one with a thousand pounds of information in it, you edit it's at like forty eight minutes, and you're like, oh my god, why did I choose this career? Because you're like, this is going to be a waste of time, and then you're working on it, you're working on it, you're working on it, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh wow, I'm at like fifteen minutes. I only have to get rid of like another three minutes. And then all of a sudden, it's just yeah. like you sculpt it, sculpt it, sculpt it. It really is. People always say, how do you edit? And it's, you really got to like, it's like taking a chunk of clay and just like pulling away little little bits until it's just more and more focused. But when you look at that lump of clay, you look at it and you go, wow, how can I make this any better? And then you go away from it. Yeah. You walk away, you come back and you start working on it. And you're like, oh, wow, that is so much better. And it's I've just cut off five pounds of information. The goal for us is to not shoot more than an hour of footage, no matter what the the project no more an hour of footage a day yeah so yeah that's smart it just makes editing so much easier we've never tried to keep a certain amount of footage but we try to only shoot the parts that we think are going to be useful which i guess is effectively the same thing but just not you know based on time um but we try to plan ahead like if this thing's going to have to be done you know five times if there's five of these things then we shoot the first one from this angle part of the second one from this angle, part of the third one from this angle. And then when you put them all together, it looks like a multi-angle shoot of the same thing. And then we can just say, I had to do this five times or whatever. 
I try to be efficient about that stuff, but then not really worry about how much actual footage. It'd be really interesting to see how much actual footage goes into some of our stuff if it were just like lined up in real time. I never even thought about that. Because I bet something like the beehives, probably, there's probably a lot. I bet that's mm. three hours of footage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. That would be ter- terribly boring to watch, too. I always have this fantasy that I'm saving all the information for everything that I ever shot, which, believe it or not, is only on about seven or eight hard drives. In the beginning, I wasn't that organized. So, like, the first bunch of videos I have, but I don't know what the hard drive... You know, you know those old hard drives that needed a plug? I have a couple uh, of those. I don't know. Nothing's yeah. labeled. But I, I, nothing's thrown away. But anyway, I have footage from everything I've ever shot. So I have this fantasy that you know, some production company is going to buy all my footage and put it all together, do something new and re- new and improve with it. <laughs> I mean, it's totally possible. Alex Steele did that. You know, I mean, they, they built a show on the History Channel mm-hmm. out of the full, like the uncut versions of his project, past projects. Yeah. So there you go. Absolutely possible. Um, I had something that I was going to bring up, and I don't remember exactly what it was. We did kind of have a topic. Was oh, we were talking about events. Events. How many events? You brought up events. How many events is too yeah. many events? Because I have more events before <laughs> my next event. Well, it's interesting, because looking at events from your perspective, I mean, you're like nonstop. <laughs> Just... Both ones that you're going to that other people are setting up, but you're also creating your own. All of your classes yeah, are basically an event. events, yeah. but you, Micro you're events. required for them. Yeah, you know? we have another event this weekend. Thing. We have a English accent making class with Alex Paul. Alex is the his his team was making the nails in Maker Central. So Alex Alex Paul is coming here this week. It it sounded like you said English accent classes, oh. which would be yeah. another class. That <laughs> this is a speech offer, therapy class. To. We're going to learn to talk like this. We're going to learn to talk like this. No, we're going to learn to have, make English axe heads, and it is oh, 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 oh. and it's a class for beginners and advanced. So if you've never used blacksmith tools before, he's developed a class where everybody goes home with an axe head, and so that's going to be fun. We're doing that this week. Actually, this week we're doing the double, triple secret project. And then Thursday, I have a meeting in Manhattan uh, for another super big, incredibly complicated project that needs to be done in a week. And then Friday, we begin the, the project for uh, the Axe Head Making class. So, And then I go to the Good of the Land Festival in Texas, October 26th. That's uh, Is that next weekend? I don't even know what day it is. That's going to take place. And then when I come back, then I go to SEMA in Vegas for a few days, and then I go to FabTech. I'm going to FabTech in Chicago. I'm going to be the announcer and the MC, that means mic controller, for the 3M. No, it doesn't. Event. <laughs> what, what are you laughing at? What? Sure, it does. Go ahead. What yeah. did I say? I don't even know what I said. I don't know. Mic controller? My, yeah, MC means mic controller. Okay. Uh, I don't know. What does it mean? Is that what it means? I'm just talking about from the 80s. No. It means master of ceremonies. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I like mic controller. Like it though. sounds more modern. No, well, that's what the... Uh, I learned that from the 80s hip-hop. MC means mic controller. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to be the mic controller at the 3M <laughs> Clash of the Grinders event. So I'm excited about that. It's official. It's on. I'm going to be there. It's on. I'm going to be mic yeah. controlling the event. So. Controlling the mic. Yeah. So if you're if you're on the fence about going to FabTech and you feel like hanging out with me, I'll be there at FabTech Tuesday, all day Tuesday. Tuesday of the event. The event happens during the work week. I don't know how you operate. That is so many events. And that, just hearing that, I'm exhausted. Oh well, I, I'll get to sleep and relax in January. There'll be like yeah, my week great. off, and then February we got workbench con but to be perfectly honest like these events are fun and exciting for me and i like meeting people and of course it's impossible to make videos while i travel but i feel like there's like a connection to be made out there there's a life-changing something and you know that you only you 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 only get to the next step if you interact and i think of like what i'm doing and and i'm not getting I'm not getting Nick Offerman dollars for every single place I go to, but Nick Offerman, if you looked at his schedule, Nick is in a different city like every night for like the last four months 
which is like unbelievable. He comes to New York State. Uh, he comes to Albany, I think, October 30th. So I might, I'm going to try and get to that show. That's like, the, I get back that morning, I think. But it's, uh, it, it, these are opportunities that I never could have gotten any other moment in my life. And so I want to take them and have fun with them and meet people and look for opportunities and bring a giant handful of business cards because most of my business has always come from me just planting those seeds. Like I'm like Johnny Appleseed with my business cards. I just chuck them up in the air everywhere I go. And then somebody picks up my card and goes, oh, this is the guy that could make my thing in 10 minutes. Hey, can you make my thing in 10 minutes? Like, yeah, sure. Charge, (laughs) Charge a lot of money. If you need it in nine minutes, it's this much. If you need it in 10 minutes, it's this much. Now, these events for you, because it seems like kind of a season. Maybe it's not, but it seems like you often have these big blocks of, like, I have all these events backed up, to, and you do all your classes kind of in a season. Yeah. And then you won't do them for a small season. D- do you think that helps having all those things out of the shop? Do you think that helps you when you get back to the shop to kind of, like, have a breath and then come back to the shop and be creative and do a bunch of stuff and then go have a breath? Well, it, it, I think it is because, it, like I said, I always do the brain dump on an airplane. I just open my phone up and I just start listing things, and I call that my brain dump. And I don't do those brain dumps when I'm home. I get all anxious and I go to the, I go straight to the workshop and I immediately start working on. Like I, I, I have this like anxiety of like putting out fires. I'm like, okay, I need to do that. Okay, I need to mm. prep ice picks. I'm doing that for now. And I'm like, okay, I need to do that. Uh, I got And so the anxiety that I develop is broken when there's. Absolutely, like I have such a crazy busy week, and then this new this new project has come up from a client, and they said, "Hey, Thursday, what do you think about Thursday meeting?" That means I have to work with my double, triple secret project all day today, tomorrow, and then Thursday I'll have the day to go to the city to have my meeting. I come back, and then the axe class starts. So I'm choosing that meeting to break the cycle of everything else. Because if I didn't choose that meeting, that other double secret project would just keep, it would like melt into the other one. So I'm using that meeting as like a break the week up. Hey, look, I have mm. this hard out, guys. This has to be done. You guys have to be gone. I'm leaving. You could stay if you want, but I'm going to the city. I have my double secret meeting, for my double secret new project. So like I choose these, other, it's like I'm choosing events to break up other events. I don't, I'm out of my mind. well i mean the reason i'm asking that is because i've found in the past couple of months like it i haven't traveled much i haven't gone to other things the maker fair we did was you know local to me basically and i haven't really had that breath of out of the shop being in a different environment to to you know see something different to do something different and then come back with that renewed kind of like, ah, I'm ready to get back to the shop. I've just been working and I've been, you know, kind of going through the same weekly motion. And I noticed the other day that I was kind of feeling uh, like not as creative and not as, not that I wasn't motivated, but I just didn't feel like sparked on anything. I didn't feel like, you know, this is the thing I can't wait to do. It's like, a, it's like I'm, I'm trying to stack this list of things that I probably should do. Hmm project wise and that didn't feel real good that felt like not i don't know i wasn't motivated on those things it was more like well this is the work that i should probably lay out for myself for the next few weeks and get that stuff done and i was just like Ugh. like i don't know it's kind of weird josh turned out josh uh, his dad was in town so he took today off and i called or sent anthony a text over the weekend and told him just like to take monday off as well and i wanted to take today after this podcast the rest of the day i'm just gonna go outside or go to the farm or something with a pad of paper and not try to film anything and not try to come up with necessarily new ideas, but go back through my list of one line ideas and like flesh them out and try to like be creative about those things that I wrote down at some point because they sparked something in me Mm -hmm. because I just haven't made time uh, for that recently. And I think a lot of that happens like you're saying, Jimmy on planes or when you're in a place where you physically cannot make stuff that's when your brain starts going well how else do i be productive how else do i you know come up with a creative solution to something i go back to my list and i start brainstorming i've been so heads down i haven't done that in a while so i'm actively taking today to to do that i i was also thinking about this like david you have dan come in one day a week right to film yeah 
and and then you edit another day or two or whatever. But you at least have a few days a week where you don't have the pressure of filming. Yes. And those, I would assume that time goes to like prep and design and that type of stuff. Yes. All, right? all that stuff. Plus emails and, and, and whatever and social yeah, media and, right. and all that. Yeah. I found that like having a person dedicated to, and this is not a, a, a bash on anything. It's just a realization that I came to recently having a person that's dedicated to running camera. If you're not filming something, that person is basically waiting on you. And <laughs> like, that's, that's, I mean, that's why Brett is a perfect assistant for me because he does what he does. And then when I need him, he helps me with my camera work and, but he can yeah. do other stuff as well. Yeah. Having a dedicated camera person always scares me for that same reason. Well, I mean, Anthony is a smart enough guy that he ha- he always comes up with other stuff to do. He's, editing certain videos like for the second channel he's always he's working in blender so he's trying to learn how to do more effects stuff he does a bunch of different things so it's not like he's sitting around staring at me waiting for something to do but there's just that part of me that's always like well if i'm not shooting then he's not you know doing his potential pressure and so the problem with yeah there's this like an internal pressure that i'm putting on myself it's not from him not from anybody else but the thing about that is it makes it to where I take all of the stuff like design and all of the prep work and the brainstorming and the, just the natural like creative stuff is taking a sideline because it's not productive for him. You know what I mean? Or like, I don't feel like I'm offering him a way to do his job. So the reason I was asking all that is because I was curious, Jimmy, uh, if, these seasonal things give you that, like, let you build up a bunch of ideas and build up the motivation to do a bunch of work. And then you're like, all right, event season is over or event month or whatever, you know, and now I'm back to just like this full steam ahead, super creative, super productive. It happens in more, it happens in more micro, micro bursts because there isn't, I mean, it does seem like there's a season, but then again, like I said, I only have January to relax and not have anything to do. And that might change tomorrow. You know, I'm also going to, the uh, I'm doing an event. Well, I'm saying November. I do FabTech. I do SEMA FabTech, and then I do the Hartsville Weaver thing in Ohio, which I haven't really promoted very much yet because I'm going to post about it with more specific details. And then, yeah, that's my last event. And then going into December, I don't have much to do. I think I'm having a visit from from Habu and Jenny Swiss. They're gonna we're gonna print on my new printing press. They're gonna come teach me how to use the printing press. And they'll probably be in for a couple of days. And that's really all I have in December and then January. So January, February will be kind of a vacation. And in my life, experience all of that, that real great refreshed, like, okay, let's get back into the shop feeling has really always come from between Christmas and New Year's. Like I've never had like a proper vacation because I never had a regular job, but that has always been my, when Christmas, that week of Christmas into the week of New Year's has always been my like, completely detached, don't worry about emails, just get creative, play around. And a year ago is when I made those big posters, which I just stuck on the rack and I haven't showed anybody. Um, I had more intention of trying to sell them and do more often, but I just haven't had a chance. But going back into the new year, I'm going to play with them. And I have my new place to set up my print shop. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot coming in the new year. And as we get close to the end of the year, it gives me time to reflect and, and traveling gives me time to make lists of things that you know and make projections of what i'm going to do so every event i go to too it's i always try and go into it with an open mind where it's like hey in life i keep this and events are really the like kind of the fertile ground for this concept where it's like you might meet somebody or learn something that could change your life forever and you know a lot of people say that in the negative and i always keep that in mind it's like hey tomorrow could be your last day but also tomorrow can be the day that changes your life for the positive. And being out there and getting involved and, and not just staying home and taking the easy route, you know you know it's safe. You know what's going to be the thing. But if you get out there and you go to these events, I, may, I might be overdoing it, I think. But if you do get involved with more often more events and or just, you know, meeting people who, on a small basis, having a meetup at the local makerspace, whatever it is, those are the moments where you're going to meet somebody that could change your life. And it could just be like somebody could just say one phrase to you. And that one phrase could like unleash something that you've been subconsciously holding back. 
you know, so it's not like it's not like you're going to meet like uh, you know, you know, the, the Saudi prince is going to order five thousand uh, pieces of furniture from you, but that could happen. But then somebody could just give you one little tidbit of of soul advice when all of a sudden you you're like, oh my god, wow, I'm so glad I came to this event. And I'm going to tell a funny story. So last night on the mic, and I'll shut up after this. I'll let you guys talk. So <laughs> last night I got on the mic to say to thank everybody for the event that that happened last night and come. And I remembered a story yesterday afternoon. I was like, okay, I, got, I kept going backwards in time to the moment where the event actually sparked. And it leads up to, it goes backwards in time to this moment. Like, you know that, remember that, uh, uh, the video, what was the group uh, that did the song Yellow? The, I forget the name of the group. Coldplay? Coldplay. Remember that video they had where everything went backwards? The whole video reversed mm-hmm. and backwards? It, it, so I was doing that in my mind, going backwards, going backwards, going backwards to the moment. Do you guys remember I did a video where a telephone pole exploded? Like, and it happened right in front of my shop. A woman, a drunk driver, hit a telephone pole in the midday right in front of me and my nephew and everybody that was at the flea market that day. A woman came driving down the street. She lost control of a car and hit a telephone pole right in front of me. And about 10 minutes later, I had the camera roll and the telephone pole exploded. It was a huge fireball. And I used it in one of the opening vlog clips. The woman was okay. She walked away from the accident. But that moment sparked a series of events that led to this event that happened this weekend. And that's what I'm saying. Like, life is so funny. You really got to yeah. kind of like, like see and go back and review these moments. The, the woman hit the telephone effect. pole. The whole entire street got shut down. I couldn't drive out of the driveway that I was just about to pull out. The cap, the accident happened directly in front of me. And so there was nothing going on. We couldn't leave. I couldn't. So I was, it was a hot summer day. This happened in July a year ago. I walked across the street into the racetrack, which I now own. And I met Austin. He was at the counter. And he goes, he, first thing he said, he goes, you live here? What are you doing here? He goes, why are you in this town? Because he's a fan of mine. And he immediately just said, why are you here? I go, why, do you know me? He goes, yeah, I watch everything you do on YouTube. Why are you here? I go, that shop across the street is mine. It's been my shop for a year. He goes, no way. I knew you were in upstate New York. I didn't know you were here. I said, no, this is my shop. And so Austin, his family owned the racetrack and his family owned the event that we just held. And so that that relationship started right there because the woman hit the telephone pole for the very first time in my life. I walked into the racetrack to get a soda because I couldn't drive to the deli down the street. And me and Austin became friends there and then. And a few months later, he said, hey, let's do this event. So not saying it would have probably already happened, but that moment. And those are the moments, parallel moments, not nearly as severe as a car accident, but those like flashbang moments where like, oh, yeah. Wow, what is that machine? How does that work? And now all of a sudden, like when my friend said to me, do you ever see a... My buddy called me one day. He goes, "Do you ever see a letterpress in an antique shop?" I go, "What's a letterpress machine?" Ten years ago, he goes, "Oh, the machines that used to. It's the only way people used to print." I'm like, "What does that mean?" And he sent me a picture of a letterpress machine. I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's one down the block," and I bought it. And then that was a whole new series of events in my life. So yeah. that's why I like to to move around and travel a lot because I'm always looking for those. I guess you can call them flashbang moments, but lack of a better term, or those moments of you know those left turn moments. So there's. There's no doubt that the the events are a spark, but I do feel like I do my best work when I am in a set schedule and I have this habit of doing this thing every week and I can hone in on those skills and get better at editing, get better at shooting, get better at talking, get better at making the projects. But it is a comfort thing because after a while you're like, ah, this is too comfortable and you you start to get worried. And then you go to the... um, I, I, so when I go to an event, it's it's a it's a total recharge because I'm talking to other people, and it sparks so many ideas. And for I don't I've always kind of thought this way when I'm build when I'm designing or building something, I'm always kind of like, what would so and so think of this project? How would how would they approach this project? And I try to use that to kind of bring in other people's ideas, even though they're not their ideas. But I try to put myself in their shoes, and um. As as I as I don't do events, I do less of that. I get stuck in my own head, and then that I, I I'm talking to other people, people who do things different than I do, and outside of my circle, it gives me that recharge and gives me the new ideas. Just just talking to them. There was a one of the books that I read recently was talking about um, 
metabolism. Like it's good to like you should you know not eat too much and 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 but it's okay every once in a while to just go on a binge because it resets your metabolism to go. It back is okay, into, right? It is okay. It is okay. Yeah. Oh, just, good. Okay, good. Just make sure. Every every once in a while, <laughs> it's okay to eat a whole pizza or whatever you want to do because it resets that metabolism. Thank David you for said that. It. Thank you very much. Yeah. This is my yes. flashbang moment. Send all for your eating. complaint emails to David. At, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm the last person to give health advice, but I've gotten healthy over healthier over the last year, and and um, you know, and um, yeah, just uh, I all the creative people that I hung out with with last week they were they were all so full of good ideas and I kept thinking like when we would discuss like our projects and I would like oh yeah on this table or whatever this this thing that I made I've another idea of like oh because I'm talking to you what if I you know like I could have done this and so I I I kind of keep that in a, in a little mental note I need to do more events I but it is such there's such a recovery time. I'm kind of a shy person and I don't talk a lot to other people. And so when I go to an event and I talk all day, I am completely exhausted by the end of the day. I I find myself like walking away. I need to like in the middle of the day, I'm like, I need to go, I need to go be back by myself for a little bit. I need to just do a little mini reset because it is exhausting for me. And it's 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 something what? that's out of my element. It depends on who you are, for sure. I mean, some people are recharged by crowds and talking and being with people, and some people are drained by that. It's just so it, you can't say that like events are something everybody has to do all the time. Uh, it just depends on who you are individually, for sure. One thing I noticed, um, and I kind of mentioned this last week when you were telling us about b- being in California, w- watching at a distance all of those people make stuff from what I think was kind of like impromptu ideas, mm-hmm. they, it just seemed like everybody was just like coming up with stuff and making stuff. But looking at those projects at a distance was like, man, there's like so much creativity. And and then watching this weekend with all the people doing blacksmithing and all the different stuff people were showing off, I'm like, creativity kept coming up. Like, that's a crazy idea. Not the mechanics of it are not crazy. Not the the skill that it takes to do it is not necessarily crazy. But the idea, the thing, it's not utilitarian. And I look at myself and I look at the things that I make and the things that I do and the way that I design. And it is so utilitarian just from like it's as minimal and as functional and as whatever. And I naturally do not go to the, well, I should make this thing look like a skull or I should Mm. make this thing look like a rainbow or, a you know, it's like. How can I make this with the fewest number of pieces? That's still make a very it work as well process. as it possibly can. That's an extremely creative process because you're eliminating all the stuff that doesn't need to be there to come up with the the simplest way to do this particular task. True, but it also limits the output, right? So the output of all the projects that I do together is it leans in a very specific direction. It's very it's either driven by something that I like, you know, it's, it's a star Wars based thing or a Marvel thing or a whatever. It's driven by an outside creative source and it's a function of that creative source or it's driven by a need. And then once it's driven by a need, it's as functional and as direct as possible. So I made a, uh, I made a, a picnic table coming up soon and it was like, I told Josh I didn't have time to design it. So I told, told Josh I want it to do this. It's got a kind of unique function to it. And I want it to look like this, look like this. It needs to have this kind of thing. So he built the model for it and designed it and figured out all the dimensions and all that stuff. It was great. Now, April Wilkerson put out a video yesterday of a picnic table. And ours won't be out for a couple more weeks, right? But so she she did this thing. What from what seems like just off the top of her head, she was like, "Oh, I want a picnic table. I'm just going to sit down and sketch up and design this picnic table. It's round. It's a circle. It has four benches coming off the sides of it. It's awesome and it's beautiful. And she did a fantastic job. And we had already finished ours. It's out at the farm. The video should be out in a few weeks. But looking at hers and mine, hers is like a unique piece of thing that you can sit at and enjoy and mine is like straight up just think of a picnic table there it is and then it has this one additional function 
whatever. It's not a bad thing, but like looking at that, that's a very specific example of man. Like I, I just went right for the the meat rather than like you know how can we pretty this thing up? How can we make it more interesting and more unique? And I think a lot of the things that you do, Jimmy, have the same effect on me. Where it's like like the grill thing. Mm-hmm. I had an idea for this grill and I still haven't done it yet, but I'm hopefully going to do it. But it's it's as minimal and as functional and as like <laughs> you know as it can be. And then I see you're like doing a scissor lift on a grill <laughs> for no particular reason <laughs> just because you can. But I looked at that and gone like, "Oh man, like he took it a step in a in a different direction, in yeah. a non necessary direction." And that's inspiring. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean yeah. that that's like something that I want to aspire to. Yeah. Well, I to like th- th- honestly not th- be as functional and as like you know minimal. I guess I'm going to tie it back to traveling and doing the shows because that's the the topic at hand. I'll, that's why I like to do brain dumps on planes because I'll think of something and be like, okay, what is the cookie cutter version of it? That's it. Okay, that's my basis. In my travels, I'm going to walk through this next airport, but I'm going to try and look for one thing that I could add to that cookie cutter idea that's going to turn it into something a little bit more special. And then that's how my brainstorming, my internal brainstorming carries through. I'm constantly looking for visual input that I otherwise wouldn't have got if I didn't go on this trip or if I didn't meet this person or if I didn't make it a point to go into this store. And I said it once a while ago and Berkey put it into a meme. I'm just looking to get hit in the face with a bucket of visuals. I said Mm. that once as Mm -hmm. a joke with Berkey when we're hanging out and Berkey made it into a Facebook meme. You just want to get hit in the face with a splash of visuals. And that's, that's what I, that's one of the best advantages of traveling a lot gives me. And those things all go back into that, like you know that warehouse in in Raiders of the Lost Ark where they like the end of the video they push it like that's what's inside my brain and it's just visuals ideas things maybe this is all you know my head is like I like to think of my brain as like a a hoarder's house of interesting picking up mechanisms at the flea market touch this oh that's cool let me hang on let me just put that in my pocket for a couple days and then I put it back on my counter and because it was in my pocket like I sucked the soul out of it and it gets stored into that giant warehouse and then I I put it back on the counter and then you know slowly these things start and it might be as I'm looking at my desk right now it's as simple as a Zippo lighter with a loop on the bottom but every time I pull that Zippo out everyone's like oh my god did you make that oh my god did you make that that is the coolest thing I'm like it's just a Zippo lighter with a loop on it so when you're in the airport and you you get hit in the face with your bucket of visuals, how are you storing this? Are you just remembering it? Are you writing it down? Are you plugging it into no, your No, I just do the Rain Man like, okay, that's cool. That's cool color. That's cool color. Just do the Rain Man. Just like. Gotcha. Yeah. Putting it in, in the head. In, Into the filing cabinet. You know what I do? A lot of times I'll take a picture of it and it goes into my 40,000 pictures. Yeah. And then in a year from now, I'm like, oh, I saw the coolest thing. And I'm like going through four. I'm like, and I'm like in a conversation. I'm like, no, wait one minute. I got it right here. And I'm like, like, oh, look at this cool thing. And now I'm into like a whole tangent. It's nothing to do with the reason why I couldn't find that picture. And then you screenshot it and email it to yourself. (laughs) Uh, So, Bob, do you have events coming up this year? Um, Not for the rest of this year. Uh, I kind of tried to try to like chill out. We did a bunch of stuff, you know, earlier in the year. and I wanted to kind of focus on being here. And then we may end up doing some renovation for the rest of this year. And that's going to be a really big, 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 big project. So I will definitely be here. Um, we're actually taking our kids to Disney at the end of the year, too. And so that's going to be like a, a big trip, big family trip. So I'll be gone for that for a little while. So no, no more events for this year. And I haven't really made any plans for next year. I don't know. Like in the past couple of years, there was like, New York Maker Fair, Bay Area Maker Fair, gone to Maker Central twice, Workbench Con, and they're all great, and I don't want to miss any of them, but it was like I wanted to take advantage of all those things, but by the time you do all of that, it's it's hard for me to justify going on more trips, even like to do collaborations with people. It's just kind of hard for me to justify because I know my wife has to take care of all the kids like by herself while I'm gone, which she's totally capable of and everything, but I just feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just we only have a certain number of weekends in the summer and we want to take advantage of those. And then we only have a certain number of weekends, you know, around soccer season or around this and then before it gets too cold. And, you know, so it's just kind of hard to justify a lot more travel. And I think I'm somewhere in between you and Jimmy 
where I like to be home. I like to be in my own controlled space and not have to worry about all the, I can just like sit down and do stuff and work and not have to like worry about like, is there food or do I have the tools I need or whatever. And then I also really enjoy, you know, talking to people and getting to see new stuff. But I think I'm probably in the middle. Is um, what about you know, as far like as the events? How um, do you like doing the the teaching and, and talking and and being a presenter? Do you enjoy that? I do. I really like I like that part of it. Um, I mean, I, I like just getting to meet people and talk to people, but being able to answer questions or talk about a specific topic. Like if I were to write a talk about something, like I really enjoy that. That's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And I don't do as much of that as I would like. A lot of the events are just going and like being there and getting to just kind of wander and talk to people mm-hmm. as we go, which is good. It feels less intentional because it's not like I am going to talk about this. It's just like, oh, I'm going to hang out and see see who's around, you know? Yeah, yeah. So That's something they both got a place. Um, I've only done one talk by myself, and I think I did a fairly decent job, and I enjoyed it. There was a lot of stress leading up to it, and it's it's something that I see myself doing a lot more in the future. And just right now, it just seems kind of kind of stressful writing an entire talk or teaching. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I've kind of learned. I don't feel real comfortable teaching like one-on-one a technique or how to use a tool or whatever i haven't found that that balance of like how much do i hover over you and how much do i i sit back because i'm 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 self-conscious i'm kind of like uh, uh, are they thinking about me or am i too close am i am i watching too much i want to let the person you know learn on 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 their own and, and just be guidance and so i haven't I just haven't found that comfort level of teaching, but talking and speaking is something I definitely want to do more in the future, but I have to do more now to get better at it. So when I do do them in the future, I'm, you know, I'm good at what I do. So, yeah, I think a lot of times like doing, preparing for a talk and then just leaving in a big Q and a section. It's interesting because if you can do like, if you have an hour to talk, feeling like you have to come up with an hour's worth of talk is a lot. Yeah. But if you can come up with 30 minutes of talk and lead up to that with like, hey, I'm going to talk about this for a while. While I'm doing that, please think of questions. Think of questions about what I'm saying right. uh, that are unrelated or whatever. And, you know, for most of the time, whatever leftover time you end up with because you couldn't come up with an hour's worth of talk, you can usually fill. And with questions that you immediately know how to answer because they're probably, right, you know, personal or you have an experience with them or whatever. I, I really enjoy doing that. Yeah, when we do the live podcast, yeah. my favorite part is the Q and A. It's like all the pressure is yeah. just gone. We're not performing, quote unquote, and I can talk about freely and, and, and answer a question. And the, the a lot of times the people asking the questions are questions I never would have thought of because you know different minds and different different people think differently in in other creative ways, and so. Just those questions and answering those questions can be a, a creative force for me. <laughs> Bob, did you just laugh at me? Yeah, did you just burp with your microphone <laughs> muted? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was listening to David, paying attention as a good podcast mate, and then Jimmy's over there with his microphone muted, burping. <laughs> good I just made morning. A funny anyway. expression. Well, we've kind of wandered around all over the place on this one. Do you guys have anything else around? You know, like talks or events or anything you want to mention before we wrap it up? No, I'm just sitting here convincing myself that I made good decisions <laughs> going to 45 things in a row. I mean, I think you did. It, it sounds like all of these things are really what kind of keep you, yeah. you know, it's the drive coming up with interesting yeah. stuff. And Yeah. Uh, no, but it's also too like when you find, like I've said this before, when you find yourself like waiting to have your oil chains and you're sitting at the car dealership and you have nothing to do for 45 minutes. Those are the opportunities that I take. And then when I do these travel, when I do traveling, it's just I take these opportunities to to make the best of it. And as Seize a creative, you just try, yeah, as a creative, you try and either reconnect with, the, you know, old friends or, you know, answer that email that you've been avoiding or do that brain dump that you need to do. Do you ever just mm-hmm. sit back and think, maybe I don't need to think about anything right now. Maybe I just need to look up at the sky and enjoy how beautiful the sky is. 
sometimes I just sit back in the in the uh, in the hammock in my backyard, and my brain just says "by men in" over and over again. <laughs> and with that, we have the men in. I want to thank our Patreon yeah. supporters. <laughs> Um, You'd be surprised how many times I could say "by men in" in twenty minutes. I count every single one. Oh man! Anyway, uh, big thanks to everybody that helps us out on Patreon. We were talking about Patreon supporters before we started today. Uh, we're really grateful for everybody over there that helps us out. Uh, our top supporters are Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker and Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks. You can make this too, Modern DIY, and Jenny and Davis. Um, but everybody over there gets the after show, which is another podcast separate feed, which, by the way, you can get, if you're a Patreon supporter, you go to the homepage of Patreon, or to the Making It page. Top right, there's a link that is unique to every user. Get that link, put it in your podcast player, you get the after show. That's how you do it. A lot of people are confused about where that is. That's where it is. Um, but everybody, even a dollar, if you give a dollar to the show, you get that after show and it's double secret, super secret stuff from Jimmy sometimes and sometimes not and other stuff. Uh, and if you want to help us out, go to patreon.com slash making it or share the show. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, if every person listening gets one other person to listen to the show, not just, Hey buddy, I got a thing I listen to get them to listen to the show we will have twice the listenership that we do. And that would be incredible. So, one person. You can do it. All right. You guys got anything cool you've been watching? Anything you want to recommend? Jimmy's waving his finger. And he's muted, so no, we can't hear him. I was burping, sorry. <coughs> I wanna, <coughs> sorry. <laughs> I want to shout out Michael Alm, A-L-M. Michael is somebody we met at Workbench Con, and I wouldn't have met Michael if I didn't go to Workbench Con. Gotta get out of the house. And Mike made me a beautiful frame and an actual hand painting of Spike. If you go to Mike's uh, Instagram and in the last few Instagram posts, he's making a really beautiful colonial frame. I thought I, when he handed it to me, I said, I thought this thing was like the size of like a Macromona build. And it's a small frame. And in it, he put a painting of Spike. So Mike is an excellent fabricator and an excellent designer. And, uh, big part of the community so michael thank you very much and go check out michael um we all know him you guys know michael right an excellent artist as well his yep. sculptures oh my goodness yeah and, and a good dude and a good, good, dude. good dude and he came he came to maker camp from seattle washington cool. he walked here <laughs> he's apparently a good walker that is too. dedication yep, yep. <laughs> So got, David. I have this video. It's a um, he's a younger artist, but he's he's pretty well known in the art community. Jim McKenzie, and this video is called "Friends with Death," and it's a stop motion of him making this skull in a in a hoodie type thing. I don't. Um, it's just best if you watch it instead of me trying to describe it. But the the art piece itself is amazing, but the video of the making of the art piece is even more amazing. It's just, it's so artfully done and it's so, it's just so good. And this guy's just a fantastic artist. So you should watch this video. Also follow him on Instagram. Cool. Um, mine is nothing to do with anything. Uh, <laughs> it's a video that somebody posted to our Slack. It was Forby or Anthony or somebody. It's just crazy. You've seen the deep fake videos that have been out, right? Like where some they take somebody's famous face and they put yeah. it over somebody else talking and it matches up in a really weird way. So there's this impressionist, this actor named Jim Meskimen, I think. Like you'll know him as soon as you've seen him because he's he's in, he's been in tons of stuff. He does impressions and he wrote this poem about being an impressionist. And so he's performing this poem and through the poem he goes through different impressions well he worked with somebody who does these deep fake things to replace his face with oh. all the different ones so as he's talking he shifts from like de niro to walk to i mean it's like i don't know 10 or 12 people it's weird to watch because as the voice changes the face changes too but it looks like one long shot oh man i don't know 
So I guess I'm just saying go watch it because it's weird. But it's also pretty amazing this, that people know how to do this to visually get the faces to change like that. So I will put a link to that because it's kind of wacky. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's what I got. You guys got anything else? And that's uh, it. I'm going to burp. Hold on. <laughs> oh, there was that. <laughs> Cool. Eventually, okay. <laughs> we're going to hit that Patreon threshold where we become really professional. Like, no nah. no background noises, no no burping, but, you know, someday. It's someday. Someday. Yeah. That number is way, it's, way It's a there. really, really high number, yeah. <laughs> it's so high that the Patreon interface won't show it. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Patreon, you can't <laughs> see how big that number is. Uh, can't see that goal. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. Later. Oh, wait, I shouldn't hang up. No. Nope. Oh, my goodness, no. Oh. You got to tell them you love them. I love everybody. <laughs>